welcome everybody to a special, special episode of the BAM Sports Podcast. We are here with Egyptian-born NBA player, former Iowa State Cyclone, Abdel Nader. Abdel, how are you doing? What's up, man? How you doing, Max? Appreciate you. Of course, of course. I got, man, I was real excited because you, you've played with some guys. I will, I, as a massive Chris Paul supporter, yeah, seems like no one else is at this point. I, I, you know, I had to get someone that I think would be pro Chris Paul. Oh, for sure. You know, I played with him for three seasons. Uh, so I got, I got all the CP stories if you need them. Oh, perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to those. But uh, let's, let's talk. What are you doing now? What, what are you up to? I know you're rehabbing after surgery. How's that going? Uh, so yeah, I just got back in New York to see my doc and stuff like that. And you know, right now for me, it's 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 like a day by day thing. You know, I'm pretty much halfway through with my rehabilitation um, program. I had surgery back in March, March second, and I basically what I had done was a cartilage repair. Um, mm-hmm. I just had a bunch of like degrading cartilage happening from a, a sheer an incident where I sheared my kneecap a little bit. Ooh, yeah, back in. January or last last year's all-star break so I've been dealing with it for a while and was trying to push through and do and find other ways outside of surgery um of recovery but you know kind of uh ended up being futile so ended up having to get a procedure done and yeah, I'm pretty much taking it day by day now and feeling better every day kind of probably gets a little frustrating at some point because you know you just want to do it Sometimes watching the finals, I get livid, you know. I'm just like, man, I want to be out there so bad. But uh, yeah, all good, man. You know, everything happened. I'm a big believer everything happens for a reason. Yeah, that's a that's a good good thing to live by. Yeah. But let's go back in time. Right. You Did you know that you're one of two Egyptian-born NBA players in the history of the league? Yeah, I mean, ever since I've been getting drafted, ever since the day I got drafted, or the potential of me getting drafted, people have been telling me that. Like, you're going to be the second. It's really the first because the other guy was, like, there for, like, 10 days or whatever. But, um, yeah, I didn't know that, like, when I was playing college and stuff like that. I had assumed, like, there has to be a couple, you know? No, yeah. I would have assumed. I just looked it up, and I was like, oh. And you've – so the first one, I'm not even – going to attempt to say his name Abdul Aziz or something like that or something like that I'll I'll uh Abdul Nabi oh yeah oh yeah Abdul Nabi yeah you you've already right? you've already matched his total years in the league <laughs> oh yeah what was his 91 to 95 so five years you're at five years so not too bad yeah not too shabby so you're in the run it's yeah. a two-man race for the greatest Egyptian <laughs> NBA player so I think you got a pretty solid chance. Yeah, I think I think my chances are pretty solid too. So what what was that like? Because I know you you moved from Egypt. You were born in Egypt. Yeah, you moved yeah. to Chicago, right? The Chicago area. Yeah. Uh, All around Chicago, I've lived, man. Just like bouncing around. You know how it is when you're an immigrant. I don't know if you know, but as an immigrant family coming in. Um, you know, you, you you are just bouncing around a lot, trying to find like a permanent mm-hmm. home. Yeah, and was it because how old were you when you moved? I had to be like second grade around that time, third grade. 
was it a culture shock kind of feel did like did you like was it a noticeable difference uh yeah i think so you know um from just the everyday person you see in the street mm-hmm. you know you know egypt especially that time right now it's a lot it's been it's a little bit more progressive and modernized but mm-hmm. um back in the 90s when i was leaving it was still like very traditional and cultural and so just having like like you said like a whole different culture shock where like yeah people are just out and about everybody it's like uh not as how i want to say this um not as like uptight everybody's like yeah you know um there's a little bit more i don't know there's there, there, there was like things that i thought were really cool and also things at the same time where i was like oh huh, this is really weird like yeah like for example like clothes and stuff like that like what you were wearing at school oh like, yeah like in egypt like nobody ever thought twice about that you know so it's like little things like that that like completely flipped the script for me and I, did, and I didn't really know english either so having to learn the language and that's actually how i started yeah. basketball just just trying to make friends yeah, make yeah. Possible, you know and then okay. slowly as i kept going to school taking like all they put me in all these speech classes and stuff like that yeah um over time yeah it just became like a love of mine yeah that's yeah i i let's see i'm trying to remember I fell in love with basketball in 2008. I was in kindergarten. Oh, shit, okay. Because... You were in kindergarten 2008. <laughs> I feel 2000, Yeah, 2007, 2008 was my kindergarten year. And uh, I remember watching ESPN, ESPN Wednesday night game, the Miami Heat were on. You know, that was when Dwayne Wade had like his best scoring year. And I was like... This guy is amazing. And so fell in love immediately. Um, so did you have a guy like that growing up, like that just you connected with right away, just through TV? Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> Kobe was my guy for sure. Like I, I started really getting into basketball. I started watching like all the MJ highlights. MJ. So yeah. I thought MJ, but I'm like, MJ's kind of past my time now. So the guy that I just fell in love with was Kobe. It was just Kobe mm-hmm. all day. And, and, Car- and Carmelo Anthony, especially in his Denver. Uh, oh, yeah. And then I remember there was like a Western Conference final, I want to say like 2009, 2008. They were both. Uh, they I think were that was 08, yeah. Yeah. When Chauncey was on that Denver team. And mm-hmm. that was a fun series to watch, man, because those were my two favorite players at the time. And yeah. uh, them go at it was, was beautiful. Yeah, that- that time period was just yeah it was different right it was just during covid right at the start i was like okay i'm bored but nba youtube account was genius enough to do like 75 of like the greatest games oh and so like the oldest game was like the knicks first championship (laughs) in the 70s in black and white all the way up to uh like 2016 game seven yeah and so you just won like for like a whole month i was just binge watching all of these I games i've seen that i didn't even know that was happening i would have loved to see that oh yeah i think it's i think they're still on there it's just full games more ads but you know it is what it is 
but you can just tell the style change. Yeah. And looking yeah, back at old code, what? I used to walk the ball before. Now we're just passing it ahead and sprinting. Oh, it's so crazy. I'm like, I guess that it kind of changed in like the mid to late 2000s yeah. when like everybody realized that walking it up and just throwing it to Shaq wasn't the necessarily the best yeah or most efficient offense score faster run run the floor shoot more threes the whole realize that three points is more than two points that's what we've come to love today but you know if you watch like the best teams down the stretch in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. it goes right back to that basketball you're either punching it in the paint or you got your guy coming off a pick and roll nowadays and they're either finishing like chris ball right he's one of the best (laughs) game ever to do it right he's just Coming off that uh, ball screen late in the game, and he does what he does. Chris Paul's ability to like change the pace of the game in the matter of seconds is crazy. Well, I just mean, his patience. Yeah, he's just thinking that it's dude. He sees everything, man. Like sometimes in the bench, it's like a mind. Like you're just like, all right, Chris, relax, because he's just like this. This is like pointing at everything, talking about. It. Yeah, he, he just sees everything. You know, he's been doing it for so long now. It's just like an instinct. It's like, boom, okay, this guy does this, I do this. This guy does this, I do this. It's like instant reactions, right? Whereas, like, people think he's, like, this grand schemer. It's just him really reacting to stuff, and he just knows exactly. It's like second nature, right? Yeah, but when you're doing it for so long, you kind of, like, you've seen the same thing and remember what you should have done or what you did in the past and adjust from there. But let's let's go back. Right what was your recruiting process like going from high school to college? I always think these stories are interesting. So for me, I wasn't a big time college or high school recruit. You know, my junior going into my junior year, I was committed to New Mexico because I didn't start playing AU until my sophomore summer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like a late guy on the scene. Cause like I said, I came from a foreign country Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know much about basketball in general, let alone like getting seen by college scouts. I was like playing pickup in my high school and like yeah. in the playground for real every day. Mm-hmm. And um, so I meet this one guy. I'm at like some exposure league in like Lake Forest, like it's a suburb of Chicago. Yeah. And he goes like, hey, we got to put you on this AU team. And okay. all of a sudden I'm playing on like three different AU teams. Whoever's going to the biggest tournament, they're just like, they're sending me shoes and they're bringing me out. I don't know this guy. His, his name was Sidney White. He was like a coach in Chicago at the time. Um, and yeah, and he ended up really helping me through my recruiting process. And my other coach, uh, Glenn Olson, who's my high school coach, um, he really started putting me on the scene too because, you know, I sprouted a little bit. My body started filling out. They were just like, okay, this could, could probably be a player. Yeah. Um, and I could always shoot it. Like I was always had the skill of being able to shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at my size that intrigued a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, and like my athleticism and stuff didn't really kick in until like I was like a senior, really. Like that's when I really started working on my body and building like athletic ability and stuff like that. I was just like dangly and could shoot the ball yeah. at this point, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I started playing with like Indiana Elite full package. Um, there's a couple, I don't even know if they're relevant now, but there were a couple. There was a Mike Miller. I remember it was, it was called MM33. It was a Mike Miller team at the time because I, I ended up committing to uh, New Mexico and his brother was the assistant coach there at the time. So, well, I was his, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a beast, right? Awesome player. But, anyways, um, 
so yeah, all of a sudden I'm playing, I'm playing, going from playing like zero basketball in the summertime to playing yeah. like a full summer of basketball. So that's what it really hits me. Like, oh, this thing is like a full year thing. Like I'm going to have to start training hard. And I start believing in myself more because, you know, you have people start like giving you confidence, like from coaching staff to like your peers yeah. being like, oh, you could play, you could do this. So I started taking the game a lot more seriously after that. Okay. And um, I think just, and just took it one step at a time until I got to college. And then it was just like a whole nother relearning process. Yeah. My college thing, it was, um, you know, I, I, every four years, like from high school to college to even my first four years in the NBA, it's been like a little, like, it's been like mini journeys. I like always like every four years, it feels like a new chapter, you know? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, 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 it was crazy. It was crazy just how fast it shifted from being like a normal kid to like, all right, you're like going to be a collegiate athlete. Everybody's like pressing you. You're going to be a division one basketball player, all this stuff. And then at this time, like nobody was mentioning NBA to me or anything like that. Like my high school coach, he believes in me like to this day more than anyone has, um, maybe even more than I believe in myself at some points. And he was the only one telling me like, hey, you're going to play in the NBA one day. Like, just trust me, you're going to play in the NBA one day. And, like, you know, as a kid, like, you want to believe it, but, like, you're just like, I don't know how is it going to happen. Like, I just came on the scene. Yeah. So I ended up committing to New Mexico. Um, then I'm play AAU again from junior to senior summer, and I just start killing everybody, everybody in the yeah. Illinois circuit, and then everybody in, like, a worldwide circuit. So That's I just, a good circuit. Yeah. The Illinois circuit? I mean. Oh, we had – we had uh, I don't even know if you remember these names, but we had Wayne Black, Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Boatwright that went to UConn like yeah. I, I was I think I was the top five player in the state at the, I jumped from being like not ranked at all top five player in the state top 50 player in the country mm-hmm. and then I'm like all right well <laughs> you know I kind of got a little ahead of myself and I was like uh you know screw New Mexico I'm trying to go to the biggest school I could go to so I decommit from New Mexico Mm-hmm. And this is just like me being a kid, you know, not really understanding. New Mexico would have been a great spot for me, too. Um, not saying that, but yeah. Anyways, so long story short, fast forward, end of senior year, I made a huge mistake in realizing, like, and like, I really had nobody guiding me throughout this whole process. I was just kind of figuring this out myself, you know. Even my high school coach, who like really like was with me along this process and helping me, it was his first time really going through it, too. He didn't have a player mm-hmm. of my caliber in the past. Like, he's had, like, low major D1s or, like, um, a bunch of D2s, but he's yeah. never had, like, a high, high-level Division One player. Yeah. So, it's the first time he's going through it, too. And the M- the NCAA ref flags me, and I'm not eligible to play in college. Um, like, my last semester of my senior year, they're like, he's not eligible to apply, he's not eligible to play, because I had um, not taken my ACT. Oh and, yeah, and my grades were not probably where they're supposed to be. Yeah. So, long story short, I started working with my coach. We start reaching out to all these schools, seeing like how, like working with their academic advisors, finding ways where I could become eligible. And NIU, Northern Illinois, this first school I ended up going to, ended up having this um, program. I forgot exactly what it was called. But it was where, like, I could redshirt. I did not want to go to prep school. I was 17 yeah. years old coming out of high school. And I was like, I'm good enough to play in college. I don't want to go to prep school. So um, 
I basically, sorry, it's a lot. I haven't talked about this stuff in a while. I know. This is, this is interesting stuff. Yeah. So basically, uh, they have this program where if I don't become eligible, I can still go to school and I just have to redshirt my freshman year. Okay. And they're like one of the only schools that offers it. And I think it had to be like an in-state school. So you can't leave the state. Mm. So I ended up going to Northern Illinois, which would have been great too, because we had a new coach of um, Coach Monty Montgomery. He was an assistant under Izzo for 14 years. Yeah. Um, coming in as a head coach. And we had a solid unit coming in, all a bunch of freshmen and like a, maybe one or two older players that really could have made a difference at that school. Yeah. Fast forward two months, like, our starting five besides me gets kicked out of school for like months, like <laughs> 10 different reasons, whatever it is. So I mean, just, a five and 26 year. We stink. Uh, all right. <laughs> we are so bad. And I'm the best player coming in as a freshman on like a team that is like horrific, like so bad. And literally I sunk, into, the stats. I sunk into a, dis uh, hey, I said you not Max. I sunk into a depression. Like <laughs> It was so bad. So, and you know, like I was still learning about myself and like, I was a completely different person than I am now back then. Like yeah. I had gotten into like a uh, law trouble. Like I got to a fight on campus. I had got a DUI. Like, so I ended up getting suspended and like a bunch of other stuff happened. But anyways, probably like three games into the season next year, I realized NIU is not the place for me. I need to like get away from Chicago I need, yeah. you know, it's 45 minutes outside of Chicago. I need to separate myself. Like, I'm, my goal at the end of the day was to play in the NBA. That's what I set out for. Um, and I didn't want to negotiate, renegotiate that with myself. So yeah. I ended up, like, reaching – I declared a transfer because it just was not working for me for there for multiple reasons. And um, literally the next day, Iowa State, this coach, Matt Abdul-Massey, reaches out. Mm -hmm. He's assistant coach from Iowa State and goes, like, hey, how fast can we get you on campus? I want to get you here. So, and I had just looked at like the recent success rate with all these transfers. They just had Royce White who went like 17 in the draft, should have been the number one overall pick or number two behind Anthony Davis if he wasn't a freaking, like <laughs> we, we all know that. Yeah. Ride. yeah. Um, great dude, but he's like I said, just a roller coaster ride, um, especially in his early days. So um, I'm thinking like, oh, they got, you know, and, they, and then all the transfers that they had built that program after off transfers. So I was like, you know what? And Fred Hoiberg, I went to go visit. It just seemed like it just seemed like I was supposed to be there. Yeah, that and, team. I mean, you were one of four guys that went to the NBA. One of seven. One of seven, or just that year, that mm -hmm. year that you redshirted. Yeah. Miang, uh, Long, Morris, and Thomas. Yeah. I mean. Oh, and Burton, Deontay Burton. Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, and then the year before that, we had Wright, or Bryce Dijon Jones, maybe he rests in peace. You know, he was with the Pelicans. Um, yeah, I mean, we we had a, we, we got a nice little run of string of guys, you know, that are actually getting minutes and playing. Yeah, because, I mean – it's nice when you go from your team winning 10 games over the course of two years <laughs> to 20, a 28 win team, a 25 win team, 
and a 23 win team. And you know, it was some, you know, the one thing I was nervous about, and a lot of players get nervous about this too, is like, oh, if I'm on such a good team, it's hard for me to show my full talent or my full, like, whatever I got going on, you know, because mm -hmm. this guy's got the ball, this guy. And one thing I have to learn is this is the exact opposite. It's yeah. way easier for you to show off what you can do. And you don't have to do as much. You can conserve energy. You can do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, look at what Andrew Wiggins is doing right now. You know, yeah. it was like, everybody knew he was a great player. Everybody knew he could get buckets, and like, on the Timberwolves and stuff. But could he win and all that stuff? But now you put him in the, in, in the, in the environment where he's thriving. And, you know, he looks like he looks like he's about to make a lot more money. I, I... I love I love Andrew Wiggins. I think he's overhated, but like, but Big Twelve basketball is kind of like the complete opposite of Big Twelve football. <laughs> Big Twelve football offense, offense, offense. We'll win forty-five to forty-two. Yeah. Big Twelve basketball defense seems like. Well, hang on, because when I was at Iowa State, you should go look at some nowadays. Of nowadays, back yeah, then, yeah. I mean, back I mean, you, we you were, guys had. Let's see, you guys like had hundred points some games. Yeah, I mean, you guys averaged like eighty-two. Yeah, that's a lot for a college team. Yeah, I mean, I all Iowa State it seems like to always be that school. You know, it's like they're under the radar, winning twenty-plus games every year. You know, it's just hard. I think they need a consistent coach over there. Like, mm -hmm. it's a coaching change every four or five years, and it's just, like, it's hard to – like, if you look at all the major programs that are consistently winning, you know, they have yeah. the same staff there. They, yeah. They got the recipe. So, I mean, yeah, Coach K, Tom Izzo. Yeah, I mean – Bohan. Yeah, keep going down the list, you know. Yeah, the guys that are going to be there literally till they die. Yeah. Like you're gonna have to force them out. <laughs> like just change the locks one. They day. gotta go see Nile first. Yeah, which I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna happen. I mean, yeah. When you're the Syracuse coach for forty something years, I don't even know if I would want that gig for forty years. It sounds good for like the first twenty. After that, be <laughs> I mean, and you and you haven't won a Natty since '03 with yeah. Mello, like. That would be, that'd be kind of rough. But, so yeah, you guys were AP poll ranked all three years that, uh, that you were there at Iowa State. Um, what's the draft process like? Was, what, what was the decision? What was the process? And then going forward with that. Man, the draft process was grueling. <laughs> you know, um, it was fun. Yeah. I got to play a lot of basketball, which was fun, you know? And you get to play a lot of basketball against a lot of guys that you normally wouldn't get to play against, right? Um, yeah. And you, and you get to really see, like, hey, am I this good? Or what do I need to work on? What, 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 like, you really get – you get exposed, right? Because it's like mm -hmm. you have to do all these pro days with all these different players. You know, for me, I did 18 NBA workouts. Okay. And that's, like – within the span of a month and a half. So that's like, I'm going from city to city to city, working out. Some teams I worked out with two, three times. Um, and then you're just like, you'll go there, have a great workout against this group of guys. They'll be like, oh, we want to see you against this group of guys. And you, they like, then, you, you know, <laughs> it's just like, 
especially when you're a guy like me where you're kind of like borderline. They didn't know if that you were going to get drafted or not. Like I wasn't on any mock drafts or anything like that, but I kept going into workout, killing workout after workout. So, uh, and that was a point of me and my agents approached um, with having 19 workouts, right? Or 18 workouts yeah. was to get me in front of as many people as possible and like start making, like just start allowing that light bulb to go off they had like make them ask questions about me like who is this kid where is he from you know um learn the story yeah yeah exactly you know and i don't think i had enough of that just because when i transferred into iowa state you know they already had a core right as with monte and george uh jameel mckay at the time naz matt thomas so i just kind of had to find my role within that core to even give myself a shot do you think that helped you to adjust to like your how you your role is in the NBA now? Just yeah, I think definitely. You know, um, you never know though, right? Like you, you yeah. as a player, you always gotta think like um, you you want to be in the best situation as possible, right? So yeah. you know, I think me winning, me being on play, playing like a, a big role. Um, on, on that on two really good national teams you know so I think that really helped um and I think like you said being having that ability to it is a skill to find what is needed and bring that to a team right yeah. as a 58th pick coming into the league you're not going to get much opportunity yeah that's where it is it's like I understood that too going in I think that's what helped me you know my first year in Boston even knowing that I still struggled a lot, like mentally. Yeah. I would have some really good games. I would have some really bad games. I would have games I played 30 minutes. I had games where I played none. Or I went like 16 games one time without touching the court. Mm. I was like, you know, as a player, especially the player that's used to playing all the time, starting, getting to shoot the ball a lot and all this stuff, you're like, well, what's going on? What do I got to do? You know, and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I think I had the right approach and just, looking at it as like a journey, you know, looking at it as a marathon and like this, it's a long season, right? So yeah. I got to show that, hey, I am an NBA. I got to show glimpses of myself and that kept me in the league. And then I got to OKC and I got a bigger opportunity where, you know, um, I fixed my wrist. I've, I've gone through injury and like adversity after adversity. So, um you know, it's just, I think all that stuff has prepared me just to answer your question about, uh, like, do I think my time at Iowa State prepared me? I think it's just a stepping stone. Like, it prepared yeah. me to, like, not play as much my rookie year. And then yeah. after that, like, there's, there's just, like, all these different, like I said, like, obstacles, right? Yeah, and, you know, some players struggle from being the guy from high school in college to the beginning of the career and then once it takes a dip they it they plummet like it's just they hit rock bottom at that point and you but see a lot you see yeah it like i've seen it happen right in front of me to guys that i'm like you'll come into training camp with them you're like oh this dude's a stud then like halfway through the season you're like this dude's playing with zero confidence he does not look like a good player right now yeah it's like what is going on so i always knew like don't let that be me no matter what happens, you know, don't get discouraged. And, you know, this is the life you chose. So just enjoy it every day and work hard. And then things will work out, you know? Yeah. So 
you get, like I said, 58th overall to the Celtics, play that 16-17 season in the G League. But then the 2017-18 season happens. Yeah. Jason Tatum happens. Yeah. What was the ride like? What was the ride like? It's so crazy because I remember going to training camp the first day, and <clears throat> it was all surreal to me because I'm, like, looking at all these banners, and I'm just like, man, I'm really here. This is awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. I, was, I, I remember feeling super grateful. And, um, you know, just going through training camp, watching these guys, Everybody kept talking about Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown. Yeah. I'm like, they're like, he's going to have a breakout year. I'm like, and I agree 100%. Jalen Brown's a great player. I, I love yeah. JB's my boy, you know, and he's a great for, he's showing he's a great player again right now. Yeah. But um, I kept saying like, yo, Jason Tam's going to be a player. Like this too is going to be a player, you know, and you yeah. can see it like early on. He was the way he moved, the way he shot the ball um to be to have that six eight frame six nine frame and be able to like he's just like move like so uh effortlessly right like yeah from side to side especially offensively he can just put his body in different positions and um i think that's key to being like a big time scorer you gotta be like have that like slimy slitheriness you can yeah. slide by guys and mm -hmm. you know and and he had that off the get-go he had a nice handle you know so it was only a matter of time for him yeah and so that team, it's, it's kind of crazy looking back. Fairly young. It's the perfect balance of young and vets. Because you got Kyrie, mm -hmm. and a champ. You got, then you got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. No, we Marcus had Al Horford. Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, Al Horford. Like, I mean, that team, Gordon Hayward for a game. Yeah. Um, like that team is just so balanced and like, it's, it's kind of rough that you guys went through LeBron. Like you, you ran into LeBron. Oh my God. I, and then, you know, we ran into LeBron where he was just, he was, he was dominating the East every year at that, at that point in time. That was probably one of the great, like, I remember that game East. seven. Oh my God. Like I really went into that game thinking we were going to win. You know, we, we had, like, the perfect game plan. We had done a good job against him the game before. Yeah. We were like, man, we got uh, – it's it it tough. Those are tough ones to swallow because, you know, like – like, I mean, it's no secret. That team wasn't great. No. Like, it's oh. – you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. There's really no way – there's no nice way to say it. Yeah. I mean, besides LeBron – you're running out there. I'm not saying that those guys weren't talented that was on the team because that's not what I'm saying at all. Those guys were very talented that were on that team. But, like, it just wasn't the right fit, like, at all. Like, when you just watch them play, yeah. it's kind of chaotic. And then you just see. Then you see LeBron play every single minute, probably 35, <laughs> 15, and 9. Yeah, I think he had, like, two 50s against us. Like, it was crazy. And, like, not – like, everything is just hard. Yeah, he had uh, three 40-point games. Yeah, it was something like that, yeah. <sighs> that was my first year, so, you know, it's kind of foggy. But I remember – or I remember JT, that's when he, like, really solidified himself during that series, too. He I really mean, that game seven. Yeah. You that was that and the Milwaukee Bucks series, him and Jalen Brown really, like, solidified themselves. I remember that because they were just yeah. – they were hooping. Yeah, and that was a tough – that was a tough first round series, too. Yeah, we went to game seven. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
and then Philly, I think that one was like game five. We beat them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it's tough, man. If Kyrie, if Kyrie played, you guys won the championship that year? I think we would have a shot for sure. I mean, you see, like, we really had no nobody that had been there before. Like, even though you said we had the vets, like Marcus Morris, Al Horford, I think those are the only two real vets playing at the time. Maybe Marcus Smart, if you consider him, he's like in year four at the time. Yeah. Um, the only one that had been there before was Marcus Smart the previous season. But I yeah. him. And, yeah. like, Jalen Brown was a rookie. Like, none of us had been there before, and yet we're just here being everybody. And, you know, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. To be a part of that, you know? Oh, yeah. But I'm – Thoroughly convinced that if Kyrie was playing, you guys would have would have won the title. We or were so you would good. you would have made it more. I actually, we were so good like, when Kyrie played. Mm-hmm. We were so good when Kyrie played. I think we went on like an eighteen or twenty game winning streak that year too. It was like something crazy. We were the really game, good. Was, was it awkward? Was what with, with Kyrie like just following the. You know, it's like, you know, not so the best rookie, of departures. My rookie year, Marvel. though, he was just coming in. Mm-hmm. He came in with me, like, uh, when I got, when I, when I was starting uh, my NBA career, he had just got traded there. So there was none of that weirdness yet. Yeah. Like, and nobody was, like, saying nothing. About, and, like, honestly, like, genuinely speaking, the time I spent with him, he's a great human being. He's, yeah. He's like, just I don't... I think, you know, I think just from my perspective, you know, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but just from my perspective, I think it's just, he has a viewpoint on something and people don't agree with it. I mean, it's happened before, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And it's, yeah, you know, it is what it is, but like, you know, I can respect anybody that like believes in something that strongly that they're willing to like let everybody hate them for it. And, you know, and if you know, I think it's really big of him, too, to openly talk about, like, him not trying to please everybody. Yeah. Like, being like, hey, it's okay to be this way, and, you know, I'm a human being, and all that stuff. I, You know, there's more power to him. Yeah. Yeah, no, if you're... I think he gets a lot of hate for the wrong reasons. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It's because it, it's messing with basketball. Yeah. If he was... If he was anything with the corporation... Yeah, if he was anything but a basketball player, no one would care. No, yeah. Yeah, no. But now that it's like, but, man, I bought these tickets and I don't get to see it's, you. It's crazy to think, like, how seriously we take Like, at the end of the day, we're playing a child's game for a living. So everybody's got to lighten up and enjoy the ride, man. Like, <laughs> that's, how I, that's, that's how I look at it, you know. I try to enjoy every day. I, it's a blessing to, be, to call myself an NBA player, to play yeah. in the NBA. And um, to me, uh, I just – and I love this game, genuinely. You know, and so to me, it's just about getting being the best you can be mm-hmm. and stop worrying so much about the dude to your right and your left. Yeah, just worry about yourself. <laughs> it's a, that's a that's a message that 99.9% of the world should probably follow. A wise man once told me, man, compete, don't compare. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's stuck with me for a while. Um, so that first, that first Celtics year, you end up going to the Thunder after that. Um, and 
you're just playing with amazing wings. Just you go from Kyrie, Tatum, and Brown to Paul George and Westbrook. What, uh, how cool was it to be with them? So, like you said, I went from playing with great players to playing some more great players. Yes. So, um, to me, I, it, it was a blast. I love my time at OKC. I love the staff. Um, definitely a great organization um, from that aspect. And, you know, playing with Russ and PG, I learned a whole nother thing that I had to learn. Um, they're playing with, like, Kyrie, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus yeah. Smart, all those guys, right? Like, what type, what type of adjustments? Um, I think I had to become – more aggressive on my own okay whereas in boston you you was up in the game you're like if i'm in the game for like 15 20 minutes the way we just play i'm gonna see the ball it's just gonna happen right i'm gonna touch it eventually i'm gonna come off a pick and roll a, a handoff something it's gonna yeah. come my way just it's just the style of brand they play where um an okc was much more like iso and and pick and roll heavy Right, Russell Westbrook, ISO basketball. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We were winning. Um, yeah. it's it's just a different style, you know. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I'm saying. And so for me, and from that aspect, I had to find more windows to find shots, or find more windows for cutting opportunities. Or when I do get the ball in the DHO or pick and roll action, I gotta be more aggressive, or like yeah. maybe not just for myself, but to make a play from. Um, a teammate or something like that, right? And um, or else you might not, you might go like four or five games without shot attempts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, especially that year, because I was starting to pick up minutes, but I still wasn't like playing as much as I liked until like really the middle of that season. That's what, Kate, hey, stop it. Sorry. My dog's running. Six, six. So yeah, I didn't really get to like, I didn't really get like that lump sum of minutes to like midway through that year. Okay. Yeah. And that's where I started playing more and I felt more comfortable and like, and yeah. So I think not being like a, from a force aspect of things, like forcing things, but just finding the windows to be more aggressive. Yeah. And then, so that, and then the end of an era, right? Russ Brook gets traded for the point guy. And so, and then Chris Paul kind of changes the entire feel of that team. Plus, Paul George leaving for Shea Gilchrist Alexander. The franchise literally just took a massive right turn on for how it is. And now I feel like how you were saying how it was with Boston, just the style of play, kind of got to go back to that with Chris Paul, just being the ultimate floor general. Right. And – like and that was your, and then that was the bubble season so that was just a weird season overall um playing playing with chris paul have, it has to be great for other wings because he just seems to make all the wings better because makes, of his field he makes everybody better he makes everybody better from, from the wings to other point guards to whoever he's on that floor with is gonna be better yeah, let's have a Chris Paul love fest. I'm, I'm ready for it. Oh. Chris Paul is should not be hated, okay? He is a winner, <laughs> all right? He's yeah. a winner. He just 
Definitely should not be hated. I mean, come on, just look at look at the resume. You can't you can't hate. He's done what he needs to. It's everything else. Has I'm not saying he won't win the championship. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is there's tons of great players who haven't. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's like saying like Charles Barkley, Mello, right? Aren't aren't, aren't good? Yeah, I, wish, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. No, and saying they're not they're not winners when they've won year after year the highest level of basketball. You know, made it to playoffs. All just because you haven't won the one at the pinnacle doesn't mean you're not you're not winning. Yeah. Do you have a story of that just kind of like set like just represents what Chris Paul's like? Either on or off the court. Oh, I'm trying to think of a of a good one. I mean, you got three years worth. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty lucky. Yeah, but how? Eighty percent of them I can't share. <laughs> okay, valid. You know, just valid. because you know, just don't want to name drop or any kind of sort like that. So, um, the one thing I can speak on, Chris Paul, is like. When I played with him in OKC, and you know, we went to Phoenix together. We got traded together. Yeah. So I remember that day he called me at like seven in the morning because I didn't even know I got traded yet. I found out. <laughs> he called me at like seven in the morning. He's like, "Hey, get ready, man. We're about to go to Phoenix." And I'm like, "Okay, shoot." And I'm like, "I'm." And then literally like five minutes later, Sam Presti calls me. He's like, "Hey, I have I hate to do this, like, but they wouldn't do the trade without you." So, so I was like, "Kind of nice to hear, though." It was nice to hear, but you know how it is as a player. You're like, this Chris Paul getting traded. Like, they just threw me in as, like, some <laughs> – like, some, <laughs> the other guy or whatever. But, no, when I got there, you know, they showed me so much love. So, um, I think it was true. And even James Jones came up to me and told me the same thing. So, but anyways, um, Chris is uh, – Chris calls me and goes, like, hey, uh, we, we, had, we headed to – he was exci- he was excited. Like, you could tell. Like, he, he wanted to get – uh, he, I don't think he wanted to be in OKC. Anyways, we uh, later that day, he just uh, tells me we hop on the jet and then we fly straight to Phoenix and we do the whole you dig. And literally we're in there and we're just doing like this media press conferences and all stuff. And I'm getting ready to go. And I'm just trying to say like peace out to Chris because I'm about to hop on a flight. And I'm going back to L.A. to do my training and stuff like that. And, you yeah. know, we're like three weeks away from the season at this point. And I'm trying to say bye, Chris. And it's impossible to because he's like talking, 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 talking. And the reason why I'm telling you this story is because it doesn't matter. And these are like with media, with um, executives, with staff, um, with his, with like children that are coming in as like fans, like trying to see him and all. And it's just like he just has like this energy about him, man, the way he moves and the way he treats other people. And, um, you know, it's just contagious. So like, that's why I know I knew instantly once he came to OKC, like everybody was expecting us to be like, I don't know, like one, like a top five worst team in the NBA. And we ended up being like a six seed, you know, mm-hmm. and then the same thing with Phoenix. They're like, oh, okay, you so what big deal. You guys got added Chris Paul to a roster that is like whatever to in people's eyes. Right. And then he comes in and he has that effect. Just he's just like I don't I don't know how, I don't know what you would what kind of name you would put on it, but it's just the Chris Paul effect, you know. Chris and Paul. It goes beyond the court and what he does in the court. Has did he try to convert you to his diet? Oh, the vegan diet. I mean, he tries to yeah. convert everybody to that. <laughs> did you think about it? 
You know, I've went, so for me, I've done the vegan thing. I've tried it and, um, you know, I just didn't really work out. It, not that it didn't work out. I think it was fine. Um, I just think I get more benefits from a different sort of diet, you know, yeah. more that more one more that I'm used to. And, you know, to each his own though, you know, the vegan diet just has a lot of soy based stuff that I don't really love um, yeah. eating all the time. Cause literally all you could really eat, especially with like all the stuff they make. So, you know, it's to each his own, but if it works for you, it works for you. Yeah. It just seems like ESPN or TNT made it illegal for the broadcasters to not mention that Chris Paul's vegan at least two or three times a broadcast. <laughs> I'm sure so Chris, I, just had, I just had the note. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris is like, hey, tell him I'm vegan. Tell him. So, yeah, trade to this Phoenix. The Chris Paul effect happens. And now this team is in the NBA Finals. What was it like to step on the floor in the NBA Finals for the first time? So, you know, I was just coming back from my first knee surgery, which was yep. a two-month process which I probably shouldn't have been back yet from yet, but you know, it was a chance to play in the NBA finals. I wasn't going to pass that up. Yeah, no. Um, so anyways, what was it like? It was surreal, man. I remember checking in. I was guarding Chris Middleton. I didn't play much because like I said, I was coming back from injury and uh, it was just, it's just hard. But anyways, the, the minutes I did play, you know, um, I've started playing that Western conference finals. I remember checking in and getting the bucket instantly, and that just felt freaking amazing. Um, Garden, getting the chance to check PG, Chris Milton, Giannis, those guys in the, in the Western Conference Finals and Finals. Um, it was just something that, like, I had longed for for basically my whole life, and I, I'm just blessed to even have the opportunity to get, like, a couple minutes out there with them. Yeah. It just – is that is that the most – crazy basketball environment you've ever played in yeah hands down loudest most energy like mm -hmm. most on the line um, oh yeah like yeah no nah, there's it doesn't get much it doesn't get higher than that that's it's, it's pretty cool that's yeah. pretty cool that's amazing genuinely it doesn't it doesn't get any higher than that so yeah just to say that you played in the nba finals no. with you know, i mean that's pretty awesome yeah. but um do you got any crazy like any other stories that you want to share just from your time yeah. in the league before you we know, talk about I current NBA? I was telling my girl I need to write down some stories because I'm gonna blank once she asked me and I didn't write none down and I'm blanking right now completely, but I know I have some great stories. Um podcast series question mark. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. gotcha. We might have to come back. I might have to we might just have to do an episode strictly on stories. I'm yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah. 25 minutes quick segment on stories. I got you. I'm down. Uh, I'm down. <laughs> but let's talk about the NBA finals. Mm -hmm. Who are you rooting for? You know, you asked me that yesterday. Um, and it's a tough it's, one. I'm not really rooting for anybody. Like I played in Boston, so I'd like JB, JT, Smart, uh, even Al, you know, like I want them to win because like I have a little bond with them and, you know, I want to see them succeed. So there's that aspect of it. But genuinely, I'm just watching as a fan. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying that right now, you know. Um, even all year, like when I, when I watch some of these games, you know, ever since I got waived, um, 
dealing with this injury and trying to rehab and come back and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I've just been enjoying being able to watch basketball as a fan. And, you know, yeah. sometimes it makes me sad because I miss it. And, I, and I, I'm going to get back out there soon enough. But um, it's still, like you said in the beginning, like it could get frustrating, right? So just yeah. trying to stay even keel with it. And, you know, just like – and that's why I kind of just keep this fan approach and just enjoying watching. I've – I've flipped who I was rooting for about three or four times. Uh, I'm a Heat fan. Oh, you're a Heat fan. Oh, so, yeah. I'm a Heat fan. So you still like, root for Boston, right? I was like, okay, Boston in six, right? Because it makes us look better. We lost in the champs. Right. Like, I'm cool with that. But then I was like, Curry. I like Andrew Wiggins. They're just Raymond fun to watch, is a best. And it's like. Okay, Warriors in seven. And now I'm like, then I was like, okay, Boston in six. I'm feeling it. Now it's like <laughs> Warriors are running in six. Like I can't figure it out. You know, I really, I think it's going to go game seven. This personally, I think it will. I think these are two really evenly matched teams. Like, yeah. like you can't, you can't give an inch. You just can't give an inch right now. Um, and I think the most, the, I don't think it comes down to who is more threes, rebounds. I think the, the teams that the team that stays the most locked in is going to win this because they're so evenly matched. They're right there. Like literally when you watch them play, they're just trading bucket after bucket. So it's like, I don't even know what the margin of victory is on here by bargain. It's like two, three points or something like that. Maybe yeah. three and a half, maybe. Yeah. It's been a very, it's been a, it's just been a crazy series like i mean like and like every game every single game's been double digit wins but it does not seem that way well because it's been down that's why i say when i say like two three point margin i'm saying like typically it's about that range until like the other team got to start fouling or yeah the game is just over you know what i mean like you could just tell it's over Mm -hmm. right but like if you're watching like there's like at some point in the fourth quarter where the team usually like breaks apart, right? Like, yeah. Like they either go up like yesterday, I think it was after that Wiggins dunk that you knew it was kind of over. Well, like uh, Boston was down double digits at halftime, missing their first 12 threes and then make eight straight threes. Mm -hmm. And now they're up. And then the Warriors, Jordan Poole, my boy, Makes a almost half <laughs> yeah. bank shot three, and then the Warriors get hot, and then it was over at yeah. the start of the fourth. Yeah, yeah. It and like it was just the game was drunk. I'm at that third quarter in the beginning of the fourth because you just couldn't figure you're, it out. You're right too because like it's been like that every game. Mm-hmm. Like every yeah. game except for maybe I think Boston blew out blew uh the Warriors out once by like 20 I think it was game two or something like that uh, I mean game one Curry got to that 21 point fourth or first quarter and kind of just and then they lost yeah then the Warriors had a terrible first half and then the third third quarter Warriors strike again I mean it's a back and forth yeah I still I still kind of want Boston to win but I don't know. 
I think it's going to be great, man. I think it's generally going to go game seven. I think it's going to be a fun rest of the series. And that's, I'm really just looking forward to watching it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm in love with what Steph's been doing has been fun too, man. It's been fun to watch and what JB has been doing too for most of the series. I've yeah. seen him being like ultra aggressive. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins actually like being consistent is also. I think the biggest key for why and he's playing with more and more confidence every game. Like, mm-hmm. whereas like he was kind of just being like a spot up shooter, driver, rebounder early in the playoffs. Now he's like pulling up. He's he's playing his full arsenal game. And if he plays like that and plays like that well, they're hard to beat along with Steph uh, Curry, Draymond, Poole. Yeah, when you've right. grabbed twenty nine rebounds in two games, well, he's a he's a freak awesome. athlete, man. Yeah. What was his what was his nickname coming out of Kansas? Maple Jordan? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, we don't, I would say we don't mess with KU, all right? No mess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just messing. Oh yeah. So um so yeah, let's let's talk about some of your last thing, last thing before we go, some of your favorite teammates. Okay. Just in general. Okay, uh, I was just talking destination at that time or what? I was just talking to Hami Diallo. Um Oh, nice. Yesterday, that's my boy. Yeah. He's in Detroit now, but we met OKC. His rookie year is my second year. Uh, not only is it fun to play with him, he's just a stand-up guy. Me and him have been tight. Good athlete. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. Naz Long and George yeah. Gang, you know, those are my guys since college. Matt Thomas, Deontay mm-hmm. Burton, Monte Morris. Obviously, as you know, those guys will always be like family to me. Um, uh, as far as guys I like men in the league, like Hamid Diallo, Jeremy Grant, you know, a lot of guys I met in my OKC days, um, I really grew tight with because you know, there wasn't really much going on there, and it's just really easy to become boys with guys. And when I was in Phoenix, it's like bubble, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and when I was in Phoenix, you know, obviously being around CP all the time, um, book, like all these other guys, like Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, Jay Crowder, you know, all those guys are just like um, high character, high level guys. I just love being around all of them, you know. And yeah. and that's the thing about uh, the NBA that's really underrated um, that people don't get to see, and I think gets overlooked because the how emotional and like invested we are in the games. You see us like react crazy or like yeah. show so much emotion. Like we, the NBA really has so many humble and good character guys in it. Um, I think that gets really overlooked. So it's it's really hard to name these guys because I've I've grown fond of so many of them. Yeah. Well, Dell, really appreciate you coming on. No, thanks for having me, brother. Yeah. Definitely gonna try and have you on again for sure. We'll have a story time. Story, yes, we'll have a story time, story time with Abdel. And we can just yeah, we'll run it back again at some point. I really appreciate you coming on. No, thanks for having me, bro. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Take it easy, guys.